Gosh, I never know what to say on these things. Well, tell me about yourself. I host a podcast about etiquette with my wife. What's it called? It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. You're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello. You became very um, careful with your enunciation. Yes. This is me now. From now on, (laughs) I speak with excellent addiction. No, I won't do that. To everyone listening at home. No, I'm going to go back to my lazy marble mouth. Um, so this is the, you know, no, this is another episode of Schmanners and it's, yeah, here we are. it's early morning. Um, we're in our gym jams, um, recording an episode for you to listen to, to become a better person. Um, I don't think that all of this color is really necessary. No, I'm just, this is me stalling till I come up with something to talk about. Well, so this episode, uh, speaking of coming up with things to talk about, this episode is going to be all about first dates. Um, and, and I promise that in the second half, I will tell the story of Teresa and mine's first date and then our first good date. Um, (laughs) but I, I did want to address up front. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. When we talk about the history of this, um, and, and probably, um, when we talk about other aspects of it, there is going to be a risk of it sounding very heteronormative. Um, and unfortunately that is because the history of dating until, you know, comparatively recently was unfortunately very heteronormative. So we're going to try to avoid that, um, and we'll try to avoid talking in terms, but both Teresa and I have only ever been in heterosexual relationships, so it's a little bit hard for us to keep reminding ourselves not to sound heteronormative, but we will do our best. I think that it's interesting. When you um, Google dating etiquette, uh, it's really separated into tips for boys and tips for girls but i think that any person could click on any one of those articles and just replace human and those tips would still work yeah it's the 21st century you know everybody's asking everybody out everybody's going on dates they're going to the cineplex and the sock hops and they're having coke floats and they're just being in each other's company and enjoying each other you know doing the lindy bop and the but the and they're doing the Watusi and they're voguing. No, no, none of that. No, um, I have not been on a first date in mm, about eight years now, seven years, something like that. Uh, not since I met my wife. Speaking of my wife, Borat, Teresa, could you tell me a little <laughs> bit about dating, please? Uh, yeah, I can. Do you regret ever dating me now <laughs> that I've referenced Borat? Only once or twice a minute. Okay. <laughs> Which is how often I reference a Borat. All right, let's get going. So as as we often do, I like to mention ancient times. People are getting together. They have to meet each other sometime. That's why we're here. <laughs> That's why we're here. Um, but usually the trend in ancient times was marriage by capture. Ooh. Ooh. Um, 
I mean, there were certainly matches made in villages, usually for the need for property or monetary alliances or political alliances or, you know, just uh, two families who decided, hey, let's get this together and then they marry their kids to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, frequently a tribe with a warrior in it would go and steal a lady from another village and you know we we talked about this in in the marriage episode a little bit you know where the certain um positions in the wedding had to do with either keeping the bride there or um keeping the bride's family from taking her back and 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 things like that so that's really that's all I'm going to say about the ancientness of this whole thing not great not great. Not really a focus on dating. They didn't have the worry of like, huh, what do you say on a first date in ancient times? Exactly. What you said was, please don't do this. <laughs> um, so I want to scoot it way up to medieval chivalry, which is really um, how the whole dating kind of wooing suitor business probably started okay. is with chivalry. Got it. Um, so because of all these arranged marriages that were happening, uh, the, the social reaction to it was the idea that, um, wouldn't it be wonderful if we married each other because we liked each other Mm -hmm. instead of all this arrangedness going on? Um, so that's when suitors started to woo their intended, um, which I, I believe that term comes from you do something nice or awesome and someone goes, woo! <laughs> I've watched a lot of Saved by the Bell. I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, we at Schmanners HQ cannot uh, speak for the accuracy of the statement Travis has just made. Uh, but still, a lot of this wooing probably occurred more in literature and on stage and so in So it's a romantic ideal. It exactly. might not have actually happened, but they definitely wanted to make people think it was happening. Exactly. So then um, we move up to... Because you see that a lot in, like, we talked about Cyrano in the insults episode. Like, the whole idea of the standing under the balcony. I mean, Romeo and Juliet. You know, you stand under the balcony... You, you know, write letters and stuff. It, it, I, it, it always struck me as a thing that people a hundred years later wrote that that's what was happening a hundred years ago mm. to make it seem like, ah, weren't those simpler, more beautiful, more romantic times? I, th- I think so, too. I think that's a, a good assessment. Um, so this idea of romantic love really being the cornerstone for a marriage, for dating doesn't really come into like hyper focus until the Victorian Victorian era, um, because before then, you know, certainly there were love matches. We talked about George Washington and Martha Washington being a love match, um, but there were still a lot more practical reasons for getting married and going getting together, and it didn't always have to do with hey, I think that you're pretty cool. Um, on that first that first meeting, you were most likely just going to get married instead of dating each other. Um, so like I said, the Victorian era really made it so that this idea of courtship and really getting to know the person before you choose them um, 
really starts to come into focus. So the way that this pretty probably started um, was, again, through interested families. So because at this time, women really didn't go out into the world and seek men. Yeah, there wasn't really the issue of like, where do you meet people? Because the answer was nowhere. Like maybe at like a dance or a ball or something. But it wasn't like, all right, mother, father, bye. I'm headed out to the club. Right. Or... I guess the club probably meant something different back then, like the tennis club or the golf club, <laughs> and not like a dance club. But it, you weren't out, like, getting numbers and, like, you know, meeting new people that way. Exactly. You you would often meet people within your own social circle at those kind of events. Um, but mostly it was some sort of connection through somebody, um, not necessarily a matchmaking kind of idea but more of oh hey I think that I know that guy or my family knows this guy or things like that um and I mentioned the word courting Mm -hmm. this was the word for dating before there was really dating because as I'll talk to talk about later dating was illegal when it started anyway Little tidbit for ooh, you. Ooh, I, have little I, teaser. Have I piqued your interest? You have. My my mouth uh, is agape. Uh, I believe my face is aghast. So once a couple had been formally introduced mm-hmm. by a mutual party or in some sort of like we talked about cotillion setting or, or debutante ball setting, this is where you would kind of hang out together with your families, usually at the girls' home. Um So once they had been introduced, a gentleman, if they wanted to escort a lady home in the company of her family, you'd give them a personal card. Like Like a calling card. A calling card. We've talked about this as well. Um, And then they would uh, return a card. So they would exchange cards if she had accepted his... uh, his Interest. Interest. Yes. 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 Now, this... this this all seems like a very formalized way of like when you did this, everybody knew that the end goal to this was marriage. That it wasn't like you know I'm going to date some, just really get to know a bunch of people and really get to know myself. It was like once you started this process, everybody knew where it was headed, right? Like the end yes. goal was marriage. Not that that doesn't still happen now, but it was much more formalized, right? Of like. These are the steps. You do this. This is step one, step two, step three, step four. And by the time you hit step five, you better be engaged. Exactly. Um, and there were there were broken engagements. Um, but usually, if you wanted to save the lady's reputation, you allowed the woman to break off the engagement um, because if a male broke off the engagement. And again, we talked about this earlier. We're talking mostly about um, heterosexual relationships. Um, if the male broke off the engagement, it was a sign to society that she was somehow unsuitable. Super cool, old-timey dudes. Super cool. Whereas if, if the woman broke it off, it was just that she rebuked him, you know? And that happened a lot. You know, you had... When you were asked to be married, sometimes women would play coy and refuse the first couple times because it made them seem more chaste or valuable. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I bet that there is, I'm not the expert on the show, I bet that there is like an anthropologist uh, or like a cultural behavioral scientist person who has done a study on how that kind of like 
chastity being valued, so you played hard to get, how that has still subconsciously echoed forward to now when you hear things like wait three days to call and don't pick up on the first ring and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's like, I bet like the, it's still, for whatever reason, even though chastity is not, or it probably is in some circles, but is not the focus like it was back then, still impacts the way that we like handle dating procedures now. I think so. Anyhow, just a random thought that popped in my head. We don't need to like get into it. Just if anyone knows about that book that exists that I've just described, <laughs> let me know. I will say uh, before you suggest it, I've already read uh, Aziz Ansari's uh, Modern Romance, which if you haven't, highly recommend. There's a whole lot in there about like arranged marriages versus like dating for love and how to date and where to meet people in this day and age. It's a great book. So in this Victorian era, it normally went like this. Like I said, they exchanged uh, calling cards. Uh, the man might walk the woman home, always in the presence of of a chaperone or mm-hmm. their family. Um, and this is where their uh, I'm making air quotes date is different from our modern concept of dating. So dates back then were highly private. So you would do it. Uh, you would have a conversation in the presence of of a chaperone, but in the woman's home. Um, and after several of these meetings, you might perhaps move to the front porch. Uh, but it wasn't done in you know restaurants and and parks and you know places where we might go out on a date. Now it was it was very much within the home. Now, wh- why was that? Was it just like this very private, personal thing? We don't want people talking about it? Or was it just like, no, we just didn't. We just stayed at home and talked because it was easier. Well, Victorians in general were very closed off. So there wasn't a lot of public display of affection of anything. Um, and so I think that they they kind of, in a way, they were like, well, this is something we don't necessarily approve of in public, so we're going to pretend like we don't do it and do it at home. You know, I bet there's also an aspect to uh, reference our uh, quite, in some ways, literal sister podcast, uh, like Rose Buddies, where they're talking about The Bachelor. You know, one of the things that people have observed um, and that Griffin and Rachel have talked about on Rose Buddies is the winner of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, it must be really weird for them to then go back and watch the season and see the person that they're now in a relationship with going on all these dates with these other people. And I bet there was probably some aspect of that, of like, if you're out in society being seen going on dates with all these different men or women, then like you're you're going to get, even if you are still doing it in private, you keep from getting some sort of, quote, reputation you know, for being a dater or whatever. I bet that it was just like, we don't want to look bad. There was a lot of that. That makes sense. Um, Something that I found exceedingly interesting in my research um, is about gifts given to both males and females in this era. So it wasn't acceptable for a Victorian lady to accept lavish or expensive gifts from a gentleman who was not related or engaged to her. There were several things you could get away with giving to a lady in this time. Things like books, confectionery, you know, like chocolates and sweets, flowers, and sheet music. Sheet music. Okay. I wasn't expecting that one. So um, this is because a lot of these were considered 
um, perishable, and therefore they left no obligation on the lady receiving them because anything other than, you know, any lavish or, or things that would hang around for a while would be considered maybe a bribe on her affections. Got it. Well, and then you also have, I mean, that makes complete sense to me because the idea of like you get flowers, you know, you you get, um, you know, sheet music, something you would use or candy, something you would eat versus like jewelry. Mm-hmm. Do you get the jewelry back if the courtship ends? Yeah. Um, and then they still have it when they begin their next courtship. Like, I definitely see where you would want to like make sure that it's very clear the delineation of like this is for now and then if we get into a more committed thing you can give me more permanent gifts makes complete sense i mean still this is true now if you went on a first date with someone and they handed you a diamond necklace you'd be like okay that's too much this is too much thank you okay bye yes so let's move on to the turn of the 20th century um when the idea of a date really started to take on its modern connotation. This happened because um, a lot of women started asserting kind of an independent attitude and they started moving to cities. They weren't in the care of their families as long. Um, And so they had to meet people, right? Um, But this, this idea of a date had kind of a, they didn't really know what to do about it. So uh, the word date was actually coined by a man named George Aid, who was a columnist for the Chicago Record in 1896. Um, and it was, a, it was a column about working class lives. And he talked about a clerk whose girlfriend was losing interest in, in him and starting to see other men socially. And when the clerk confronted his fading love, uh, he said, I suppose all the other boys are filling all my dates. Gotcha. So that's where the word started out. But the idea of a date um, started, with, like I said, with all these ladies moving to cities. Um, and they began to be this courted that we talked about earlier, courted in public instead of in the private, private um, sector of their own home. Um, And people were freaked out by it, really. It wasn't something that happened before then. Um, And in the eyes of certain authorities, uh, they saw these women that let men buy them food and drinks or gifts or um, tickets to the movies and things like that. They assumed it was payment for services. So they thought it was, you know, there were prostitutes. Ladies of the night. Exactly. Working women. Yes. Um, And so dating was kind of illegal at that point they you know the authorities would see these women out in public and assume that they were prostitutes because they were accepting tokens of men that they were seeing presumably in exchange for personal favors of a sexual nature okay that i mean that makes i guess makes sense isn't the right word but it tracks i guess yeah. it tracks I mean, historically it was a new idea it so, societally these matches had been made behind closed doors. And so it was, like I said earlier, it was like something that we have to do, but let's pretend that we don't do it. I mean, it, this is the same as like Mary Tyler Moore um, getting in trouble for wearing pants on TV, even though like everybody wore pants or like Ricky and Lucy were married 
on the show, but they still slept in like two separate beds. Right. Because if they slept in the same bed, it would imply that they had relations. Well, even though they had a, a child. Yeah. It's like this show. idea of like, we all acknowledge it, but we're going to try to pretend like it's not. It's, it's, I don't think that's healthy, frankly, but I do think it tracks historically this idea of like, listen, we all know it, but let's pretend like we don't. Yeah. So by the mid-1910s, these women who would go on dates with men were often called charity girls, as in they took no money for their, quote, favors, and they were perceived as giving it away as charity. Oh, I see. Right? Um, And by the early 1920s, um, prostitutes in, in New York City complained that charity girls were putting them out of business. Okay. Cool. I doubt it, but okay. I doubt it as well. This about this time, the the 1920s is when authorities really gave up on trying to um, outlaw it, dating, outlaw dating, <laughs> or or really it it started to turn the tide of instead of seeing this as um, a business proposition to uh, receive favors of one nature for favors of another, it started to become more of like a romantic idea. Got it. One thing that I I forgot to mention because I found it particularly humorous. Um, So in the mid-1800s, there was a shortage of women because of the expansion westward in the United States. Um, And there I found an ad that was placed in an Arkansas newspaper, uh, a personal ad. Any gal that got a bed, calico dress, coffee pot, and skillet knows how to cut britches and can make a hunting shirt knows how to make how to take care of children can have my services till death do us part oh so this I man is, is, is advertising for a wife but it's still quite practical isn't yep. it she has to have a certain set of skills um, in order to 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 be with this man um, but he said if you have those skills I'm I'm, willing I'm yours to take you anywhere you want to go I'm yours baby once we lead up to the, the 1950s, it started to kind of get elaborate again. So like we talked about in Victorian times, you had all these steps and things that you had to do. And then they were like, oh, dates, crazy. Dates are crazy. And then back to the 50s, like you talked about with um, Lucy, this there was a routine that developed again. So... Courtship started as like you would go steady Uh, and then you got pinned together and then you would get engaged and then finally get married. Right. So we again, we start to develop these steps, but it really didn't last very long. Uh, The 1960s, people kind of rebelled against that, especially with the development of the birth control pill. Um, feminism really started to take off and they were like, we don't Yay. have to, we don't have to live by your society's rules. We can do as we please. Um, but in that same era, probably because of feminism, uh, dating services started to make their way on the scene. And then by the seventies, it was like all, all holds no longer barred. Right? Is no holds barred. No, I, I no believe holes. the phrase you're looking for, my dove, is no holds barred. There it is. It was a free for all, free love and do whatever you please in the so 1970s. The, by which you mean the, the, the structure of like going steady. You ask this, you do this, you must have a chaperone, you have like all that up. Exactly. Everything's gone. Um, 
people do as they like, at least in the United States. All right. And what do you think made the most significant impact on dating in our modern lives? Online dating. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. The computer. Um, So now people were able to meet in incredibly novel and new ways. You didn't have to meet anybody face-to-face. You could get to know them through email, um, you know, online dating things. Where we're setting people up, uh, speed dating started where you could meet a bunch of singles all at once. And this was, was really how we did dating in the 90s. And, and still, and, uh, I mean, I, I think from this is one of those things where I think at least I just kind of missed the window on this where I never really did any online dating, not because I was opposed to it, but just like I didn't really hit the window. Like, we met when, when I was 25, um, and, like, I didn't – I just never took a part of it. But we have a lot of friends and a lot of people we know that, you know, met through online dating or through, you know, being uh, introduced to people without living in the same state and getting mm-hmm. to know each other online. And it's – ever since you got mail, it's been totally normalized. <laughs> so nowadays, a first date might even just happen – uh, without ever meeting, mm-hmm. you know, people set stuff up over over text or over email or chat rooms. Do people still use chat rooms? I don't know if chat rooms still exist. Let me ask you this, because I think that this is a thing that people talk about a lot now in modern dating of like, where do you even go? How do you even meet people? So just comparing kind of where we started to where we are now, right? You, we talked about that when with courting and dating, it was you weren't like going out to bars to meet people or taking a cooking class to meet people or going online to do online dating. It was like, here, here are the 10 people you know, like three of them are actually eligible to date and you're going to date one of those three versus now where there's just so much choice that it can seem at times like overwhelming do you think that there's a balance between that that will eventually be struck? Like, how how would you compare and contrast? Like, do you think it was better when there was less choice, or better now that there's more choice, but it's overwhelming? Um. Well, I think that each certainly has its merits. Um. I think that as far as uh social circles and socioeconomic situations, I think that it's better that there's more choice. There's more upward mobility um, as opposed to when it was just people that your family knew. You pretty much stayed in the same place and, you know, did all the same things as everyone else you knew all the time. Um, but now with with us being maybe spoiled for choice, you can go anywhere you like and meet anyone you want and two willing partners uh, are not separated by uh, social statures or or even physical distance. I also think um, this, and I don't think we got any questions about that, so I'll just go ahead and hop out now and give my opinion on it. Because we get this question a lot on my brother, my brother and me, of like, how do you meet people? And I think that everybody has in their head that there is a right way to do it that they don't know, but everyone else does. That like, and this is true, we get this question both like speaking romantically and as friends, like how do you meet people? The answer is you just do, like there's no right way. There's not like, okay, since you asked, 
here's the steps. Here's what we here's what we've all done. Like people always ask me, how'd you meet Teresa? And the answer is I was dating a roommate. Like that like it wasn't like, well, I went to a cooking class. I mean, like, no. I and and so if someone's like, Well, how do I meet someone like Teresa? I wouldn't say, Well, start dating people's roommates. <laughs> like that's that's just not how it works. So before we head into questions, I will give our nice first date. And then in the second half, I'll tell our bad first date. Or our guest, I my the funny first date. So, as I alluded, I met Teresa because I was dating her roommate. Her roommate and I broke up long before Teresa and I started dating. It was like six months later before we went on a date. So, the nice first... But I did encounter you on, on my couch while you and my roommate watched movies. Yes. I, yes. We met while I was dating your roommate. <laughs> <sighs> so... The nice first date we went on, the nice date was uh, we went out on February 13th. Because I had asserted that going out on February 14th was too much pressure for a new couple. 100% true. So we went out on February 13th. Uh, we were going to see a movie, but we got to the... Uh, uh, crazy... Crazy Heart. Crazy Heart. Um, Which we still haven't seen, by the still way. Still haven't seen. We'll get to that in a second. Um, so we arrived at Newport on the Levee here in Cincinnati. Uh, but we were like 10 or 15 minutes late. I think we got the time wrong. And so we were like, well, we'll get tickets to the next showing. And we'll just hang out downstairs for an hour and a half at a, at a bar. Uh, it's like a kind of blues club downstairs. Um, and so we started hanging out. And we just kind of sat at the bar and talked. And after like an hour and a half... We both kind of agreed that we didn't want to see the movie. We just wanted to kind of keep talking. So I ran upstairs, returned our tickets, and then we sat at that bar for another like two and a half hours. I, I feel think. like we closed that bar down. Yeah, we just kind of sat there and talked for about four or five hours um, and agreed that we enjoyed each other's company and that we should do it again. So that's the nice date. And now after the break, after a word from another Max Fun show, I'll tell you about the embarrassing thing. The first ever Very, Very Fun Day is coming to Tally Hall in Chicago on February 11th with media sponsorship from WBEZ 91.5. Advanced tickets are sold out, but we will have a limited number of tickets for sale at the door. So come on out for a day jam-packed with five great Max Fun podcasts, four local shows, and a comic showcase. For more information, please visit MaximumFun.org slash Very, Very Fun Day. Going into a Bullseye interview, I know that it's somebody who does amazing work. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Is that possible? Is that's that true? possible. Yeah. Should I check with your therapist? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will be. <laughs> Who are you, dude? You all over the place. I got a lot of respect for you, man. That's that's dope. Bullseye. Creators you know. Creators you need to know. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so the embarrassing first date basically breaks down like this. I wanted to ask Teresa out. She was recently out of a fairly long relationship, like two years. No, not quite that. It was an 18-year-long relationship. <laughs> it, was a long, it was like a year. Yeah, A little over a year. Okay. And so I wanted to ask her out, but I didn't, I didn't want her to say no. I, and I didn't want to seem too forward, and I didn't want to blah, 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 blah. And because I was, and in many ways still am, uh, 14 years old, 
I uh, decided what I was going to do was arrange a group date. Uh, get a group of people together so I could spend more time with Teresa without making it seem like I was asking her on a date. Here's here's where I made my first mistake. The first person I asked to schedule this group hangout was Teresa. So I called her and said, yeah, hey, a bunch of people going to get together. We're going to go grab some Chinese food. And then our uh, Mario Landry's friend... He's having a birthday party, and we're all just going to go to that. And she was like, oh, okay, cool. Then everyone else I asked was busy that night and <laughs> couldn't do it. But I'd already told Teresa that a big group of people was going. So I made Griffin go with us. Now, Griffin aptly pointed out beforehand, this is going to be weird. And I said, no, it'll be fine. Just three people hanging out. And he was like, I feel like I'm going to be the third wheel. I said, no, it's going to be totally cool. So then we went to the Chinese restaurant and Teresa and I sat on one side of the booth and Griffin sat on the other, just staring daggers at me the whole time. Um, it, and the date was fine, but at no point, and I, I will let Teresa speak to this more than me, but I don't think at any point Teresa was fooled by what I was doing. Absolutely not. Yeah. I think it was completely obvious. And it was after that night that, uh, I think that that was kind of when I realized like I should just be honest with Teresa and just tell her everything all the time and just be <laughs> open and honest with her and not try to like play games or be coy or just say like hey i want to take you on a date hey i like you that's uh, mine and Teresa's relationship is i would say that the kind of the um the uh kind of like defining feature of our relationship has been um very direct communication of like uh, for example when we talked about like moving in together uh, Teresa said, if we move in together, then I need to know that we're going to get married. And I said, oh, yeah, no, we are. And she's like, oh, okay. And so then we moved in together. But like that kind of like, there, there's not a lot of subtext in our relationship. It's a lot of like, hey, what are you feeling right now? Oh, I'm, I'm very upset. Oh, okay. <laughs> like there's not a lot of, I'm fine. Okay. Uh... Fun fact, very early on in our courtship, uh, Travis texted me probably what? A bunch, a like, hundred times a day. Just wanted to try and keep the the lines of communication open. Yes. I think, but he is the reason that I purchased unlimited texting. This is correct. <laughs> I see. Here's the thing, and and we'll talk more about this. I I thought I knew how the thing worked, and I was trying to be coy, but also like keep in touch and not. But because I, what I didn't want to say, what I didn't want to say was like, hey, I really like you and I want to get to know you better. So I would like find excuses to like text you like, hey, what how what were you telling me the other day about wheat or whatever? Just like whatever <laughs> I could think of that would like give me some excuse because what I wanted to say was, hey, I really like you. But I was afraid that like doing that would scare you or what? Now, in retrospect, knowing you the way that I do, I should have just said like, hey, I like you. I'll talk to you again tomorrow if you want. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So I wasn't fooled, by the way. Um, I told several of my friends that this Travis guy is aggressively trying to date me. And I thought I was being so laid back. And she was like, yeah, I'm being super cool. I haven't asked her out in a day. Um, <laughs> 
I haven't spoken to her for like 20 minutes. It's so. been, she has no idea how much I'm into her. Um, so we have, as you might imagine, a lot of good questions mm-hmm. for this one. Um, and these are not all the questions we received because um, I think that we're probably going to turn this into a series like we're doing with weddings where we touch on different parts. And we're just talking about like first dates here, which I think includes some like how do you ask kind of things. But right. uh, some of the questions I had to kind of edit out because they were uh, about different aspects of dating. Um, but this was probably one of the more common questions we got. And it's from Katie. Who pays for what? Ah. <laughs> Um, I have always maintained that the person who does the asking of uh, should finance the date. Um, but that that doesn't have to be the rule. Um, uh, we are champions of open and honest communication. And if you are not comfortable allowing the other person to finance the entire date, I suggest that you come up with a compromise. Well, hey, um, I'd like to take you to a movie but would you buy the popcorn? You know, something like that. I think that the best idea is to talk about it beforehand because yes. nobody nobody wants to be in that situation of, oh, do I take out my wallet? Oh, are we going splitsies? I don't even know. So talk it out, man. Yeah, that's, that's I think, the biggest. Of, oh, throughout all of this, and I think we'll touch on this subject a lot, I think a lot of these questions – and we get this a lot when because in this day and age, I think everybody's worried about awkwardness and discomfort. And I think that the fact of the matter is there are some situations that you just can't avoid awkwardness. That right. You can't it's better avoid to it. just accept the situation and make the best of it. So then the question becomes, do you do you commit do you get the awkwardness up front or dread it the whole time once again not to not to keep referencing griffin and rachel but they told the story in an episode of rose buddies about their like getting married and proposal and they talk about when they went on a vacation to mexico before they were engaged and both of them had had friends talk to them about like hey do you think you're going to get engaged on this and so griffin made the decision at the beginning of the trip to say hey just so you know i'm not going to be proposing to you on this trip and it was very awkward up front at in that moment but and i think that they were correct and griffin was correct in this circumstance it meant that the rest of the time wasn't spent wondering wasn't spent being awkward so it might be awkward when you're asking the person out on the date to say and i've always heard that the person who does the asking should do the paying but if you feel differently i'm open to whatever, it might be awkward to bring up money while you're asking them out, but it's way better than having like a surfer standing over you with the check going, uh, 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 as you both like reach for your money to pay. Right. It's a, uh, I, I believe in awkwardness in the, the same way I believe taking off Band-Aid. Get it over with quickly. Uh, this next question is from Rachel. If you decide mid-date that you definitely don't want a second one, is it better to let them know and end the date or finish it out and send them a message later? I think that this echoes back to what we were just talking about. My opinion is that it's better to end the date when you know that this is not something that you want to pursue. Um, not in the way of you shouldn't lead somebody on, but in the way of, 
if what you are looking for is a relationship, why would you spend any more time with the person that you are certain it is not with them? Yeah. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for like, oh, this feels kind of awkward and they don't seem to know what to talk about versus they've just revealed to you that like they hunt people for sport or something (laughs) where it's just like just because someone might be bad at like conversation right away, maybe they're nervous, you know, maybe that's something where it's like, I'm going to give them a chance. And maybe like once, you know, we've spent an hour together, they'll feel more comfortable. That Mm -hmm. I think is different from like, they just yelled at the waiter and were so incredibly rude that I don't want to get to know this person. Exactly. And I also think, you know, I saw some people talking about it in the Facebook group as far as like, well, you need to come up with a system where you have a friend text you. No. Like, I I get that that's a thing that people set up and there's all these very creative ways. But I think, and I will throw a caveat here, if you feel comfortable doing this, because there are definitely circumstances in which you might be intimidated or feel threatened where you don't feel comfortable with direct communication. But I think saying like, listen, um, you know, I, I appreciate you asking me out, but I just don't see this going anywhere. Um, I think we should just call it a night. I think because otherwise y- you end up with all these creative ways to not just say what you mean and say right. what you feel. And it ends up like, oh, this person won't stop calling me, won't stop texting me. Why don't they get the hint? Because you haven't told them. You right. should just tell them. It's not a puzzle for them to solve. You should just tell them. You would appreciate direct communication for you. Uh, That brings up something that I I wanted to make sure that we touched on is the idea of ghosting Mm -hmm. um, where without any kind of preamble or explanation, you just leave. Um, And I think that there's really only one situation in which that's acceptable. It is if you feel like you're in danger. Um, if, If you feel threatened or unsafe, you don't owe anybody an explanation as to why you are leaving. You may absolutely ghost. Get out of there if you don't feel safe. That said, um is always a kinder option if your safety is not threatened to explain to the person why you're done, why it, you're leaving. And and it might not feel kinder because th- it's an illusion if you say, no, it's nicer to not have to tell them I don't like them. But that's only because you don't have to see their face. That's only because you don't know it because it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And it's once again that ripping the Band-Aid off of like being direct and saying like, I don't see this going anywhere. It might in that moment be very bad, but I'd rather something for a moment be very bad than for two weeks be kind of bad drawn out over two weeks. Right. Um, it's, it's And it doesn't even have to be the excuse of I don't see this going anywhere. It could be... I don't feel like we're compatible because yeah. that that is something that a lot of people take for, for granted. Maybe there's one person who uh, is having a really great time, but the other person isn't. And if you're not compatible, then even if you're not interested in a long-term relationship, why would you want to spend more time with that person that you don't get along with, don't, aren't compatible with? Uh, once again... I statements here is way more like saying I I don't feel we're compatible. I don't see this going anywhere versus you're just not the type of person I'm interested in. Right. Like there's a big difference between those statements. This question is from Eve. What is the most polite way to steer the conversation away from topics you'd rather not discuss on a first date? Again, I think that the I statement is really important. Um, if it's a topic that you'd rather not discuss, you can say that. Um, I'm not really comfortable discussing that. Why don't we talk about uh, 
bird migration habits or something. I mean, whatever yeah, else Yeah, something it is everyone's that you're comfortable in. talking about, like bird migration habits. <laughs> I, I think that that's, uh, you know, and I know I've just been pushing direct communication, but I think in that circumstance, it's okay to make a joke like, don't you think that's better for a third date? <laughs> Anyways, like, you know, especially if you are enjoying the conversation sure. and you've just hit a speed bump, I think it's okay to deflect that a little bit without going, how dare you? Yes. You know? All right. Point conceded. Um, uh, this question is from Amber. Is kissing on the first date good schmanners? I was surprised kissed, but wasn't too sure that was, but uh, wasn't too sure that was very polite. Consent is good schmanners. Yeah. This, once again, this, it might feel weird to say this sentence. I would like to kiss you. Is that okay? That might feel weird if you're not like, if it, that kind of direct, like, oh, I'm really, oh, this feels so robotic. Trust me, it's not only good schmanners, it's also the right thing to do morally, rather than just assume this person's comfortable with me touching them. Exactly. Uh, so I'm. my thing is, if you want to kiss on the first date, that's great. If you want to kiss at your wedding ceremony, that's great, too. It's all about what you want to do. So the consent is what really matters. I'm not a fan of the surprise kiss. And, and Teresa and I are both big fans of romantic comedies and romantic movies, but they are fiction. They are fake. And I think that they have gone a long way down a bad road of teaching people like, you'll know when the moment is right and you'll just feel the click and it will be this magic. No, because like that, that, that belief is that two people are on this magical wavelength where they both feel comfortable at the same time with the same stuff. And that's just not how it works. Yeah, I to that effect, I love the uh, the visualization of the face grab kiss, which happens in a lot of movies and my favorite TV shows. Um, but I have to say that if someone that wasn't Travis grabbed my face to kiss me, it would be very off-putting if I wasn't expecting it. Uh, this question we actually got in two different forms uh, from Ilaria and from Ashley. And I'll ask Ashley's because it's shorter. Ashley asks... How do you handle dates when one party thinks it's a date and the other doesn't? I would say that this is where it's important to make sure that the communication is open and honest. And before you go on said outing, determine whether it is a date. And I think that the, the best way to do that is when you are asking someone to spend time with you, say, I would like to take you out on a date. Would you go with me to the movies? Something like that. And I also, I, I, I know that it is very awkward to, once again, awkward to ask, okay, but are you asking me on a date or are you asking me as a friend? Because then there's always the chance that they go, as a friend, how dare you? Okay, cool. But like, if, if it is unclear, clarify it. Because if you're feeling, hmm, this might not be a friend thing, always better to ask. And if you're on the other side of this and you're asking someone out, be clear. Exactly. Because if you're not being clear, and trust me, as someone who used to do this in college, if you're not being clear, it's because you're afraid that the person says no and you're trying to look for a sneaky way to ask them on a date without giving them a chance to say no. It's, it's bad. Don't do that. Just ask, I like you. I would like to take you on a date. In a past life, Travis was very sneaky. Yes. Not anymore. Now I'm direct. Uh, this is from Christine. Could you touch on dress code? 
Uh, sure. I think that um, it is always better to be slightly overdressed than uh, slightly underdressed. Um, so if it is important to you that you both match in dress code, mention where you're going and what you're doing. Um, I'd like to take you to a fancy seafood restaurant. That pretty much gives the clues uh, as to how you're supposed to dress. Yeah, I think that's way better than saying, so dress nice, because then that sounds like you were assuming that they wouldn't. But it's better to say, like, yeah, this place, oh, it's very nice. I think you're really going to like it. It's very fancy. It's a, we're going to feel real posh doing it, you know? So this is an example of how one can be direct without being... Um, blunt? Blunt. Exactly. Yeah. So if you if you give someone the circumstances in which they can decide for themselves how it is that they want to dress, then I believe that they'll probably do the right thing. Um, if it comes down to the point where you have, uh, say the situation is that um, your date picks you up, um, which I don't necessarily advocate in a modern world, but for this circumstance, your date picks you up and you find that you are underdressed or they are underdressed, you might want to change your plans for that evening. Um, and you can say that, oh, I wasn't aware of where we were going, what we were doing. I'm underdressed. Let's go someplace else. And once again, this is, let's clarify, that this is speaking in terms of like a first date with a person that you don't feel comfortable. Like if it's someone you've known for years and you're finally going on a first date with them and you feel comfortable saying, wear a suit. Fine, cool, go for it. Or if this is like, you know, if you've been dating this person for a while, say whatever. But this is like, you don't want to give someone the impression that you've just met that you think they're schlubby and gross. So give them the opportunity, give them all the facts to make the decision on to, as to what to dress uh, themselves. This question kind of tied to that, and I wanted to touch on this because I see this the claim argument made so many times and it's very frustrating to me. Maxi asks... I don't ever wear makeup normally. Should I be wearing it on a first date for a good impression or is that a lie? I don't think that makeup is a lie. I think that makeup is a an artistic manifestation of, of what you want to pr put out into the world that day. Um, so if you choose to wear makeup, that's not lying. If you choose to not wear makeup, that's not you uh, not putting forth a, a good effort. It's all about how it is that you want to express yourself. Um, so wear makeup if you want to and don't if you don't. Yeah, if you normally wear like a t-shirt and jeans and you go on a first date and so you wear like a nice button-up shirt and dress pants, you're not lying. You want to make a good first impression, like... And if you don't want to, if you want to wear a t-shirt and jeans, you're not not putting forth the effort. You're saying, this is me, and this is I want you to like this person. It's, it's, it's not a lie. It's a question of what you decide to put forward. And I don't think that's a lie. I mean, I know we just talked about dress code. But I don't think that the two are mutually exclusive. People are, are perfectly capable of making decisions to, to f suit their environment without lying. So if you're normally a t-shirt and jeans kind of person, but you know that you're going to the aforementioned fancy seafood restaurant, um, people can make the choice to dress a little nicer without um, it be considered a falsehood. Uh, this last question is from Katie. I had my first ever date last week, which was great, 
but do you have any advice on how to move forward? Um, I'm going to assume that moving forward means asking or uh, trying to spend more time with this person. Um, so I think that uh, if you want to spend more time with this person, you should ask them on another date. Uh, if you haven't already, ask to exchange phone numbers or, or emails so that you can stay in touch and get to know each other better in between dates. Um, also, you can set a precedent of we exchange dates where you ask me on one, I ask you on the next one, and, and you start to make kind of a, a chain, almost like an email chain. And, and this is uh, another little role play moment from Travis McElroy. I'm going to say three sentences, right? And I, I'll put out the difference between the three sentences. Sentence one, I had a really great time the other night. Sentence two, I had a really great time the other night. I'd like to do it again. Sentence three, I had a really great time the other night. I'd like to do it again. Are you free on Friday? I like the last one. Yeah, right. Like That's the thing is I think too often people do sentence one and like then wait for the other person to fill in so that they're not because they don't want to go the whole distance. Uh, they want to be met halfway to know that the other person's interest. Uh, and trust me, this is one of those. I'm going to play this card now as someone who has been in a long term relationship. Now I get to feel very superior to people going on first <laughs> dates. But the, the thing is, is be the person that you are. Um, be the best version of yourself that you are because that's who you any relationship should make you want to be the best version of yourself that you are it shouldn't make you want to pretend to be someone you're not and I think that to touch on the question about like the makeup and the lie and that kind of thing it's not about pretending to be someone you're not it's it's striving to be the best you you can be for your other and I I think Anytime you're pretending or afraid of just asking for what you want because you're afraid of upsetting the other person, you're not being the best version of yourself. You're pretending to be someone you're not. So ask for what you want, say what you want, and make plans. Don't wait for the other person to make plans because if you say, hey, I had a really great time the other night. Let's do it again. Are you free Friday? And they go, uh, I, I don't. Mm, uh, mm. Cool. Like, that's not a relationship you want to be in. Yeah, and then you know. You yeah. know unequivocally if you're going to see this person again. And I, I spent too many years, too many hours, too many days worried about these people that I would ask and then they would hem and haw and they would give kind of indirect like, oh, I don't know that I can Thursday <laughs> without offering other like, I can't Thursday, but I'm free Saturday. Can, can, like uh, worrying too much like, oh, what are they thinking? Oh, is there is there anything there? Is, I shouldn't have worked like if they I if I was direct and they weren't direct back and they didn't show interest, move on, let it go. You know, you don't you, life's too short to spend that much time worried about people who don't care about your time and feelings. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us for another episode. Sorry it's a little bit late. You know, got a lot going on now. We got baby. We you got don't stuff. have to apologize. They know. I know. I don't have to. I know I don't have to apologize. But I still do because I appreciate our listeners and I hope that they appreciate us. Um, thank you to everybody for listening, for sharing this episode, for all of your questions on the Facebook group, uh, which you can find by searching Schmanners, S-H-M. A-N-N-E-R-S. 
uh, or for tweeting at us at SchmannersCast. Um, if you would like to check out the My Brother, My Brother, Me TV show uh, preview, you can just like search like MBMBAM trailer CISO, S-E-E-S-O. That's coming out so soon. The TV show comes out the 23rd. I'm so excited. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Um, go over to Maximum Fun. Check out all the other shows. If you would like to purchase a Jumbotron message, uh, we could wish someone happy birthday for you or just say hi or happy anniversary or, you know, happy Valentine's Day. Or if you have a website or, you know, a product that you would like us to talk about, you can go to MaximumFun.org forward slash jumbotron and get a message on the show um let's see what else Teresa? well as always i want to thank brent bentelfloss black for our theme song and that is available on itunes as a ringtone and probably where other uh ringtones are sold and also thank you to kayla m wassell for our beautiful thumbnail and banner art check out her portfolio so join us again next week no rsvp required you've been listening to schmanners Manners, manners. Get it? Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.